Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. Steve Case is obviously an internet and technology legend as the founder of America Online. But as I said when I did a segment about it this week, I've always been fascinated with his Rise of the Rest tour and fund. Because look, the whole basic principle of the project is to try new things in VC, try to find new ideas and new people in new places. So after doing the segment on the new Rise of the Rest Fund 2, I reached out to Steve to learn more about what he's been learning as he's been barnstorming the country to try to find exciting new companies outside of the major tech hubs. This is That Conversation. Since this is going to come out um, on the weekend, it'll be a few days since the news came out. Could you just reiterate the news for us? You're uh, announcing a Rise of the Rest Fund 2, uh, $150 million, as with Fund 1. And as with Fund 1, a lot of big names are, are backing you, right? Yeah, that's right. We, we launched the Rise of the Rest initiative about five years ago. Started doing uh, road trips around the country to see what's happening in cities like Detroit and you know, Nashville, Indianapolis, Minneapolis. Uh, you know, all, really all over the country. We've done 43 of these cities. And about two years ago, we, we launched a fund, a, a seed fund, that was a $150 million fund to back the entrepreneurs in these cities. The thesis is that essentially all the venture capital goes to a few entrepreneurs on the coast. In the last year, 75% of venture capital went to just three states, California, New York, and Massachusetts. So with Rise Rest, we're trying to back entrepreneurs in those other places. So the first fund uh, was uh, just about two years ago. It was a $150 million fund. We reached out to some of the most prominent uh, individuals, not institutions, just individuals, people like Jeff Bezos, Eric Schmidt, you know, Meg Whitman, Ray Dalio, John Doerr, Jim Breyer, et cetera, et cetera, uh, for that fund. And then the second fund, uh, we raised another $150 million, so the same as the first fund, and we'll back another 100 companies in these Rise of the Rest uh, cities. Are you intending to in, invest the same way? I think you said a, a similar thesis, or do you guys have a, a new playbook in mind for Fund 2? No, it'll be the same playbook as Fund 1. Our strategy with it, Revolution, we also have Revolution Ventures and Revolution Growth, though Rise of the Rest Seed Fund is one, one part of the overall Revolution investment you know, kind of efforts. But for the Rise of the Rest Seed Fund, our strategy is to partner with regional venture funds. We've so far co-invested with more than 200 uh, venture funds. And so we don't, with the seed fund lead rounds, we don't take board seats. We're really partnering with uh, the investors in these different regions and then helping the companies kind of scale to the next level. We've built a whole uh, platform of, of services to provide to these companies. We do things like summits in a couple of weeks. We'll be doing a CEO summit with over 100 of the entrepreneurs we backed uh, in Washington, D.C. So the number of things that happen when when companies and the CEOs of those companies are in the Rise of the Rest network. As a result, the regional investors really want us to be part of the uh, the rounds when they're when they're kind of investing in these companies. So our typical investment through Rise of Rest is we'll typically invest the first check of five hundred thousand dollars as part of a larger round, uh, and then uh, we work with those companies, and then we'll kind of double down with larger checks on some of the most promising uh, companies. So it's a strategy we call land and expand. We land with an initial. $500,000-ish check uh, in partnership with regional investors, 
and then we write larger checks, you know, sometimes a few million dollars into into companies when they do the, the follow-on rounds. But it's all designed to really back these entrepreneurs and, and shine a spotlight on these cities that are rising. They're showing more momentum. Yesterday, I was in Detroit uh, to launch this, and, and there, we now have a half a dozen companies in the Michigan area. Uh, and it's really promising to see what's what's happening in a, in, a, in a city like Detroit. That's the story of a lot of cities around the country. But unfortunately, most venture capitalists still are primarily kind of investing in their backyard. If they're sitting in San Francisco, they're investing in the Silicon Valley in the Bay Area. If they're in New York City, they're typically investing there. If they're in Boston, they're typically investing there. Uh, we're trying to get more venture capitalists to recognize their opportunities everywhere, you know, great investments everywhere, great entrepreneurs everywhere, and just you know, spend more time in other parts of the country identifying uh, promising trends, identifying uh, promising entrepreneurs, and investing in them as well. Funny enough, that was going to be my next question. Um, I feel like uh, you all were sort of ahead of the curve on on this uh, idea. Um, are are you seeing on the VC side of the equation people beginning to follow your lead um, and and moving the needle in terms of finding new companies outside of the the big tech hubs? Yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, there's certainly more uh, focused on and more discussion about the, the opportunities in other places, and and some of the coastal venture funds are starting to invest in in, in companies in, in other parts of the of, of the country. So we were encouraged by some of those uh, kind of signals. At the same time, and that was not really true five years ago. Five years ago, when we first launched Rise Rest, most people thought it was sort of a quixotic mission to back entrepreneurs in other places and we're skeptical that there really would be great companies that could be great investments in outside of places like uh, Silicon Valley. There's still some of that skepticism, uh, but you know, it's a little bit less than it was five years ago. People are a little more open to the, the thesis uh, and are being, uh, expanding their periphery or their peripheral vision, I guess, if you will, you know, the, the, to, to be at least open to the idea that there may be entrepreneurs in in, uh, in other places. Hopefully, over the next five, ten years, it, it won't just be a discussion. The dollars will start flowing, and there will be more entrepreneurs back in more places, more great investments in, in, in these different cities. And as a result, there'll be more job creation in these cities. The other dynamic that, that's driving this for us is, is the data is pretty compelling that the startups, young, high-growth companies, are the major job creators. It's not actually small businesses, and it's not, not big Fortune 500 businesses. They, as sectors, tend to be relatively flat in terms of net job creation. The real leverage in terms of job creation are the startups. So if we're only backing startups in places like you know California and New York and not places like Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, et cetera, you know, we shouldn't be surprised that there are people in those communities are feeling like in this technology disruption world, they're kind of being left behind. Indeed, sometimes the companies in Silicon Valley are doing interesting, disruptive things that result in job loss in the middle of the country. Uh, and we need to, you know, kind of offset that, at least in part, by job creation in the middle of the country. And the only way to do that, in our opinion, is to back more startups in those places. So it's, it, it starts as an investment thesis. Uh, we think there's a valuation arbitrage. We know there's a valuation arbitrage where valuations of companies in these rising cities are lower than if those same companies were in you know, San Francisco or New York just because of a classic kind of econ 101 supply and demand dynamic. Uh, but over time, we think that gap will close. Uh, but it will be there for some some period of time. And we also think there's really an imperative to level the playing field in terms of uh, entrepreneurial opportunity, job creation, economic growth. So everybody everywhere in the country kind of has a shot at building a company and everywhere sees the potential for job growth uh, as opposed to just job loss. Well, and actually, 
you know, from the flip side of the equation, you know, you've been going around the country for five years now. And obviously part of, part of the reason for a tour is to go to a place, see what the environment is, see what the startup energy is there and maybe uncover new companies, but is also part of your motivation and maybe the, the use of the tour to actually go to places and inspire some creative energy to, you know, like show up in a town and be like, Hey, you've got good ideas here. Why don't you start companies here? Do it here. Yeah, there is no question that that's part of it. We're trying to kind of you know, help help take these cities to the next level, help the, the startup communities in these cities that are bubbling, you know, kind of, you know, get more attention, including locally, get some of the, you know, the big companies in those cities working with the startups, get some of the universities in those cities, you know, partnering more with, with the entrepreneurial uh, community. So a lot of it is trying to build more of that network density, network effect. It is one of the great things about, you know, Silicon Valley. Some of it is getting more capital. And we encourage people when we're traveling around the country, uh, to invest in their local startups. The angel capital should come from their community. Uh, and we're also encouraging the growth of more regional venture funds to, 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 to be, that are in different parts of the country and can back uh, these companies at the seed stage and also at the, at the venture stage. And of course, we're also encouraging the coastal investors to pay, you know, more attention. We're also focused on the talent piece. There has been, you know, talent is pretty, pretty clear. The talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. So if you, Grow up in many parts of the country. You graduate from one of the terrific universities in many parts of the country. Instead of staying there, you in the last half century you've left, you know, and you've gone to, to usually to places like Silicon Valley. So we've seen uh, uh, this brain drain of some, you know, the creative talent that started in these cities. We're trying to slow that brain drain, indeed, create a boomerang of people who left coming back because they now feel like it's, the opportunity there is is is, is significant. We're starting to see that in places like. Uh, Detroit, where a lot of people left over the last half century because you know, the city was in decline, lost 60% of its population, indeed, you know, not too long ago went bankrupt. So most of the people that would be part of the innovation economy uh, that were born in Detroit or went to the University of Michigan or other places uh, left to go, you know, to go to the coast. We're trying to, you know, encourage them to, to come back and encourage people who are already there to, to, to stay there. So there's definitely a, a celebration aspect to this. And there's also a cultural aspect that we also try to encourage is how do, how do these communities become a little more fearless, a little bit more open to risk taking, a little bit more open to entrepreneurship, a little bit more open to you know, crazy ideas and, and celebrate those entrepreneurs and, and have a, a, a city that is leaning into the future, not just kind of looking in the rearview mirror at, at, at the past. So there's a lot of different things we're doing, but as, you know, part of the tour is designed to uh, understand what's happening in these cities, do what we can to drive more collaboration. There's a lot of convening aspects to, to what we do. And the process, we do develop relationships with uh, local venture capitalists, with uh, local entrepreneurs, and that does lead to identifying promising companies to back through you know, through the revolution uh, funds. But uh, the tour is not really just about sourcing investments. It's really inspiring the next wave of entrepreneurship all across the country. The Tech Meme Right Home is brought to you this week by WeWork Remotely. In the modern knowledge economy, where you live is increasingly not a deciding factor when it comes to the type of job you can land. If your skill sets and experience are in demand, you can work remotely from where you want, when you want, how you want, in your pajamas if you want. Want to work at a tech startup but can't afford to live in Silicon Valley? Companies are looking to hire remote workers for greater flexibility and access to the sort of workers they need when they need them. So if you're an in-demand worker, you can take advantage of this sort of flexibility 
by visiting WeWorkRemotely.com to join more than 130,000 job seekers who are applying to openings for designers, programmers, copywriters, marketing pros, even executive positions. More than 68,000 remote work positions have been posted at WeWork Remotely. So go to WeWorkRemotely.com. That's WeWorkRemotely.com and find a remote job that's right for you. Do uh, these these non-tech hub cities, the startups you see there, do they tend to have maybe different to startup themes, like depending on historical or legacy reasons. Like, for instance, you keep mentioning Detroit. Um, do you tend to see things like maybe Detroit has a, a, a bunch of auto tech startups? Yeah, it's a, it's a mix of things. We have noticed in different cities, and it's sort of, as you suggest, kind of, uh, you know, kind of predictable, uh, that some of the startups are building on the expertise in those cities, sort of the historical industries in those cities. Pittsburgh, for example, because it was the kind of the power of the industrial revolution, kind of the, the steel capital is really good at making things. And Carnegie Mellon, the university there is particularly good at, at robotics. So there's a lot of startups that are focused on robotics and, and, and hardware in places like uh, in Minneapolis. There's a lot of health tech startups. So the largest health insurance company, United Health is based there. Mayo Clinic is not too far from uh, Minneapolis, Baltimore because of Johns Hopkins and also now Under Armour. There's a lot also in the in the health tech space. Uh, we saw in Chattanooga uh, a company that we backed called Freight Waves. It was focused on a, a Bloomberg-like data platform for the trucking industry. Much of the trucking industry is headquartered in Chattanooga, so that makes a, a lot of sense. Indianapolis has emerged as a strong enterprise software uh, city in part because of the success of a company, Exact Target. It was acquired by Salesforce for, I think it was $3 billion. Salesforce now has 2,000 employees in, in, in Indianapolis, second largest uh, office outside of San Francisco. And some of the people that were part of that early exact target store, including the founder, Scott Dorsey, has, has started a, a accelerator and a venture fund. And, and there's several dozen enterprise you know, software companies uh, there. Raleigh-Durham is strong because of some of the work around the research uh, you know, triangle. So each of these cities has uh, a unique backstory and, and entrepreneurs can build on that. At the same time, we, we have uh, seen time and time again that because creativity can happen anywhere, uh, it doesn't mean that just because a city, you mentioned Detroit, is, you know, is, is all about mobility, that all the startups are going to focus on mobility. We've backed a couple of companies there. You know, one, Shinola, is in the watch business. Another, Bloomscape, is in the you know, e-commerce for plants, for gardening you know, a business, StockX. Uh, is a stock exchange for things. It was one of our early Rise of the Rest seed investments, just raised money at a billion-dollar valuation from from Google and, and others. So those are companies that would not obviously be in Detroit, uh, but they're thriving. Uh, and, and so it's a reminder to us you know, that while we should be looking in each city for what is unique about that city that entrepreneurs can build on, uh, they're also uh, always the opportunity for entrepreneurs to you know, come up with some crazy idea to disrupt some some industry, uh, no matter where they might live. I saw an article where one investor was talking about, you know, going out to, I think, what was referred to as NFL cities, cities that are big enough to have an NFL team, but maybe wouldn't traditionally have had a startup scene. But that's still, there's still a bias there towards major cities, towards infrastructure. To what degree have you guys or or are you going to be looking at communities that maybe are only big enough to say have a minor league ball team or or, or communities even smaller than that 
Now, we have invested, the Rise of Rest Fund has now invested in nearly 130 companies in uh, about 70 cities, over 30 states, and they vary in, in size, and some are relatively uh, small uh, cities that would not be NFL cities, and in some, you know, some cases might not be minor league you know, cities. Uh, so we are focused on, on uh, cities with this, with this strategy. We do believe cities are a place where people are going to cluster, and it requires, you do need a certain dynamic in terms of a creative uh, community for for startups to flourish. But we also recognize that even in more rural uh, places, there are opportunities, particularly as broadband moves to those communities, which is still a challenge, but there's a lot of uh, focus on that, including in, in, in Congress. That can enable people in, in, in rural areas to participate on platforms, e-commerce platforms, Etsy, et cetera. It doesn't really matter where you are. And also, as more and more companies move to much more uh, uh, distributed workforces, companies like WordPress, for example, quite successful, are almost entirely a distributed workforce. That also creates opportunities for people to kind of live wherever they want to be and still be part of a fast-growing uh, company. But the primary focus of Rise to Rest are on on cities. Usually, they're cities with a few hundred thousand you know, people, so they're they're not the largest cities, but they're also not the the smallest cities. And that seems to be the the sweet spot, at least for us for right now, in terms of where we can you know have the most uh, uh, kind of impact. Uh, one more uh, trend question. Obviously, this is completely anecdotal, but I can't I can't tell you the amount of friends in the tech industry that I know who have moved from the the Bay Area specifically over the last three years or so. I mean, a lot of them either came here to New York City or went to places like Austin or L.A. And I know those aren't the cities um, that we're talking about as much. But I was curious, as you're going around the country, are you seeing sort of a Silicon Valley diaspora? Are you seeing and meeting with startups that maybe started in Silicon Valley and have moved other places? Yes, there's some of that. There was there there was more now than there was five years ago, but it's still uh, still early in terms of that evolution. And then it goes back to this issue of uh, the boomerang of talent. That a lot of the people who were in one of these cities, grew up there, went to school there, did decide to leave, and it was you know, really realistically it was the right thing for them to do because there wasn't much opportunity there, and they felt like they should move someplace else where the, there was more opportunity. Now, as these cities are uh, rising and their startup communities are, are developing, there is more opportunity, and that is leading more people to consider moving there. And it not, now isn't moving there for kind of family lifestyle reasons, although that's certainly a fair you know, thing to consider, but because the opportunities in those cities now are, are comparable to the opportunities they might have in a place like uh, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is awesome and will continue to be awesome. Uh, but it does have some challenges. The, the tenure at most companies is, is pretty short. People jump around a lot. You know, the cost of living is, is really quite exorbitant. You, if you, if you have to live pretty far from where you work, unless you have a really good, uh, salary or, you know, traffic issues, other kinds of issues that are leading people to say, you know, maybe even though, you know, Silicon Valley is, is sort of this wonderful cauldron of innovation, uh, maybe it's time to, to consider moving someplace else. It's only recently that they felt the, they could make that decision and their career would advance as opposed to kind of, uh, uh, attract if they made that call. Our expectation over the next five or 10 years is there'll be more of that. And even some of the data from LinkedIn uh, is, is sort of evidence of that. They came out with a report just a couple of weeks ago 
when it said now more people are leaving San Francisco than going to, to San Francisco, I think that trend will accelerate as these cities rise up as strong startup communities. And our hope is that over time, we really will be able to level the playing field. People can decide where they want to live. They can start com- companies wherever they choose to start companies, as opposed to feeling like they have to be on the coast. Otherwise, they aren't able to participate in this whole innovation economy. Uh, final question. You know, we're always talking a lot about greater diversity in, you know, both startup founders, but also even the markets that, that startups are looking to serve. And I'm wondering by, by going outside of the, the traditional areas, no, not fishing in the same pools that everyone has been fishing in, are you seeing a, a greater diversity both in founders and in maybe the customers and markets that these, these new startups are, are looking to uh, target? Absolutely. And this has been particularly encouraging in the last several years. If you look at the overall venture capital data, I mentioned earlier that if you look at place, 75% of venture capital dollars went to three states. If you look at people, last year, more than 90% of venture capital went to men, less than 10% to women, and less than 1% of venture capital went to African Americans. So just look at the data. It does matter where you live. It does matter what you look like. It does matter who you know. If you have an idea, you really have a shot of building a a company. It's a little bit different in these rise of the rest cities. So far, about 45% of the companies we backed are either founded by women or people of color. Uh, that the, the last uh, rise of the rest road trip we did, five cities, four of the five winners of the pitch competitions were, were women. So they're, you know, you know, they're great entrepreneurs everywhere. Uh, and they bring different perspectives. Uh, and, and, and by getting out of some of the places where it tends to be a little bit of a echo chamber, and, and kind of hitting the road and, and, and seeing what really is the, the best of America. We're able to not just identify entrepreneurs building interesting things, but more of a diverse uh, mix of entrepreneurs that better reflects the diversity of America itself. I think that trend is also important. My hope over the next you know, decade is that it won't just be venture capitalists focusing on places like Silicon Valley. It won't just be backing predominantly kind of white men, uh, but everybody everywhere who has an idea will have a shot at the American dream and, on, and venture capitalists will spend you know, more time on planes visiting these, these cities. There'll be more and larger regional venture funds backing the entrepreneurs in these, in these cities and we'll have a more vibrant uh, and more inclusive innovation economy. I think that will be great for innovation, great for entrepreneurship, and also great for America. 